0: We're going to read, so we're reading from um, today's lectionary, it's in Matthew, we're going to start in chapter 1 in verse 18, so if you want to follow, um, it's a pretty short passage though. So. Well, Alright, it says this, now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall, call, they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When, Jesus, when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. So I got to thinking, so this is the first chapter uh, in Matthew. Before this, um, the book goes through a genealogy of Abraham all the way to, to Joseph and, and on to Jesus. Um, and I got to thinking about the different way that the Gospels start. Um, certain that there are books and books and books on this and classes and lots of things, but um, was kind of just taking it for what it was this, this last couple weeks and thinking about it, right? So in Mark... Um, we skip the birth story entirely. We go straight to John the Baptist, um, his story, and his baptizing Jesus. In Luke, it's the really uh, more drawn-out Christmas story, right? The one you're going to hear in the plays and stuff, but we also get um, the arc of of the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, which we've been reading in the devotion. Um, We get one of my favorite things in the whole Bible, when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, we get this Female perspective, which is beautiful. Um, Mary sings her song, her Magnificat, which is is just brilliant. And then, um, of course, John the Baptist, and then Jesus is born, and this is where the angels and shepherds come. Right. So it's very full um, picture of, of Christ coming, coming, and then John, which I know I have read, is just really different than the other gospels in lots of ways. But it starts with like a lot more metaphor, right? Like how Austin started. Um, the word became flesh and lived among us. It's a different way of talking about how um, God is with us, how Christ came um, to the world. And so I kind of got to wondering about um, the why or just my perception of the why um, that we started the way or that Matthew starts the way it does, um, which is the genealogy and then Joseph's stream, which we just read, and then the, the kind of third part of the opening is... Um, all that's going on, right? The, the going to Egypt, the Magi coming, all of that. So that's sort of that third part of the beginning. And years ago, I I heard something that talked about how when the Gospels were written, the people really needed to believe um, or be. I don't know if "convinced" is the right word, but needed to hear about the human—I mean, the divinity of Jesus, right? So they either knew him, they like saw him as a man, or knew someone who did. Like, they didn't need to be convinced that Jesus was a man, but there was more kind of a need to um, to explain Jesus as God, as God's son, all of those pieces. And so it kind of makes sense, right, that there would be a genealogy at the beginning to say, like, "See, he is the rightful um, person to lead," and then also to you know, say like, I don't know, four times in that passage that Mary was a virgin, right? Like there's like a lot of emphasis to me. It felt like, oh, I like proving something here. Um, But I think the other side of that is now we're so far removed um, from Jesus as a a man that a lot of times it's easier for us to say like, oh yeah, like Jesus uh, is Christ, it's God, but it's a lot harder for us to the humanity in it. And so kind of, you know, was using my, I guess, imagination in this and thinking like what we might say now if we were going to open um, and talk about the story and the things that would be included to help us remember the humanity of Jesus. And so, um, yeah, like we might talk about, you know, the, the trip that Mary took and how her belly swelled and how uncomfortable she was um, that like smells bothered her, <laughs> she 's nauseous, right Like all the realities of that, um, the messiness and the pain of birth surely would not get well, there's lots of factors that maybe that wouldn't have gotten if uh, women had written right like maybe that would have been a bigger role in the stories that like this um, thing that she like the first sort of act that Jesus did, you know on earth that was with his mom, right they they together. Um he was born. He was birthed. And and that's beautiful, right? That's something that connects Mary to um all of the people who gave birth before her, all of the people that will give birth after her. And it's beautiful. Um, right? It like becomes this much more embodied thing. It's like this actual baby who really probably cried. Hopefully he cried. Hopefully he cried. And then the people at birth, the birth were like, good. His lungs work. It is, it is a healthy baby who is going to live, you know. Um, he's, like, covered in vernix. That's right. That's like the right word. Like, you know, covered in that white stuff, but just how Mary smelled his head and his body. And it was like this, this beautiful, real baby was born. And, um, yeah, that all feels really important, because it's so easy, right, to skip and be like, and Joseph had all these dreams, and Joseph did all this stuff, <laughs> but, like, Let's, let's be real. There's a lot of, uh, like, a, a really embodied experience. The most, I think, um, for me, that's, like, the most ex- in my body and out of my body, that experience I've had. So that takes us back to that verse in John, right? The word became flesh. In the message, it says, uh, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, which is a really, right, a real act. That's, like, a thing a real person does. Um, and then, of course, our verse says, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And I've been thinking a lot. I kind of joked last week that John took my sermon, but not really. But it's a continuation. It's a, it's something a lot of us are thinking of, right? This shared space of our Advent words of um, like hope and joy, and peace and love. How that shares space with also. Sorrow, sadness, and grief, right? We could keep going like shame, uh, loneliness, jealousy, all those other things that I think come up this time of year. um, Maybe through a card, maybe through whatever. Just this time of year brings up a lot of things. Um, And so the word Advent, it means coming. And so with coming, right? If something's coming, you're also waiting for it to come. And there's a longing there. And so, in Advent, we are both sort of walking and thinking and remembering the time that we were waiting for Jesus to come, but we're also thinking about, like, we're waiting now. There's a longing now as we wait for things to be made new. Um, And I'm reading this really wonderful book, um, and it's called uh, The First Advent in Palestine, and it's by Kelly Nikandeha, which I'm probably saying wrong, but I just want to read you a couple, a couple words. So she She does a really beautiful job of both kind of doing the, like, myth-busting thing, right? Like, guess what? The wise men didn't come to the stable or whatever, right? Like, they shouldn't be part of your nativity scene. Like, she does some of that um, and some, like, explanation of other ways, right? Like, okay, there's there's no room in the inn, right? That that's possible, that the word inn is really more about... um, sort of the, the area guests usually stay in the family home and that likely they weren't alone in the way we think. So she does some of that in a really gracious way, not in like a you're so dumb way, but what she also does is really give a ton of space or a ton of time to talking about what life was like then um, at the time that Jesus was born. So I'm just going to read you um, a little bit. But she says, I've discovered unexpected things in the dark loam. So as she was researching... I was surprised by the trauma that dominated the first advent. I'd never seen it before, though the tells were all in full view for the astute student of scripture. Factoring in the depth of human distress that surrounds these stories helped me to see Elizabeth and Zechariah, Mary and Joseph more clearly. Their struggles became more real. Watching young Mary navigate the tumultuous Galilee region shocked me. And for the first time, I entertained a reading of the text that took her resistance and her resolve into account. Her strength has never shown brighter as a result. Her song has never sounded more hopeful. And then there emerged the reality of the hard economic life most people endured in Nazareth, Bethlehem, and many villages in between. Concerns about daily bread, crushing debt, and land loss, and dispossession saturated the first advent. Advent happened as most people were just trying to survive. The echo sounded so familiar to my modern ears. I met an advent recognizable to us today as we continue to suffer hardship and hunger for deliverance from troubles personal and systemic, political, and economic. Um, She she talks about how, you know, growing up and even through her, like, early seminary studies that she had a very, she uses the word, harmonized um, version of the... Uh, of the birth story which I think just she's just saying it's like pretty tied up well right that it's like this this perfect story and look how God came to earth and that um, she's realizing or has realized that um, it's not that way she later says in Advent we learn that God is always coming to our troubled times and when I got to thinking about it I realized that this really suits us right it really suits us to have a reading that's not so tied up with a bow I think um, I see people my age, people coming sort of in the generations behind us where we're just saying, like, it doesn't work anymore to just um, let Christmas be this time where we, like, pretend everything is fine and we push everything aside that, like, we're not really into that anymore. I mean, I know that the, like, Hallmark movies are still doing really well, so, like, a little bit I think we're into that, but, like, overall, right, we're, like, not wanting to just kind of be stuck in that place where we pretend... um, where we pretend that we're just, like, happy for a month of December. And so I think what's lovely, right, is that we see that this closer reading of of the um, story, it, it's, not, it's not perfect either, right? The birth story wasn't, like, easy, or it wasn't this just, um, you know, young, engaged couple living their best life and have, surprise, it's Jesus, you know? And so I think it's like we see... I mean, even, even just traveling um, when you're about to have a baby, but all of the fear, right, all of the distrust, all of that that comes as part of the story, um, is, it's uh, connecting to us now, I think. And yet, Jesus was, was born into the world amidst that, like a real person covered in the vernix. Um, and we read later, right, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? But maybe a better telling, right, is like, God so loved the world, God, like, gave God's self to us. And that's beautiful. I mean, that's, it's, it's more than beautiful. And so thinking about these weeks, these words, hope, um, peace, joy, and today, love, um, you know, I'm aware that, like, as, as each of the elders um, taught, I think everyone expressed in some way, they're like, oh, this is so hard to teach on these words. I mean, I think I've said it every year when I teach, that it's, it is really hard. They feel... Um, really elusive. That's the best word I can come up with. I mean, I think even, like, our, our activity we did with the word peace, like, you could tell we're, like, searching for it, right? It's not like, oh, peace is this, but it's like, it's like this attempt at the grasp of it, and um, I think also that if you're like me, that I think as as a Christian, as a, as a spiritual person, as a person who's um, Like longing to be with God, I also feel like there's sometimes pressure to be these things, to have hope, to to love, and and all of those. And so um, let me read just a little bit more from the book. I know reading out loud is kind of hard in the sermon, but it's so good. (laughs) So let me read just a little bit more to you, um, and then we'll kind of get where we're going. She says, as we live into the reality of Advent hope, we embody God's peace, Not only in struggle, lament, and solidarity with others, but also in the shared experience of patience for the unhurried culmination of a peaceable kingdom. The life of a peacemaker embraces the hard truth that peace will remain incomplete in our lifetime, even as others carry the campaign forward. This was the human experience of Jesus. And so that kind of brings us back, right, to the humanity of Jesus, that, like, even in his lifetime, that peaceful kingdom, that kingdom of heaven on earth is not fully realized. Um, and we see that now, right? Like, it's not hard for us to see that things are not uh, as they should be, as they, they will be, or that hope of that. And so it's like that, that scripture that I think about a lot in Romans. It's like the whole earth groans in the pains of childbirth, right? That, like, it's continuing um yeah continuing in that i mean that's why i think we use that language all the time right that the kingdom of heaven is both here and not yet it's because we're like holding all those things it's like the joy and the grief or um the love and the loneliness um all the things right the the peaceful ki- we're holding on to the peaceful kingdom while we are also groaning together you know and so what i i think i want to leave you with or what i think maybe we could end with, I guess, is, um, is that there's a freedom in that, in the, like, both now and not yet. And I don't mean a freedom that's, like, well, I can't be peaceful, so whatever, let's not try, but, like, a freedom that, right, when we say in the, the, the whole earth groans, or sometimes it says, like, is together in the pain of childbirth, right, that there's movement in that, like, there's pain in childbirth, because your body is trying to, trying to, move the baby into position to be born. So there's, there's movement in that, um, in those pains. And so I, think, um, so, so I think what there's freedom of is not from the search for hope or the, the hope for hope, but the, the freedom of the when we feel they're like, why, why don't I feel peaceful? What am I doing wrong? Or why can't I be this or that? That like, just sort of to settle in the, the reality that we won't fully experience each of these things, and that's... Um, that's its own thing, right? And so, but we can continue to be open-handed and, and to like hold the grief well, while also looking for joy, like John talked about, and, and choosing that. And we can hold on to loneliness, but choose love. Um, so much is wrong. There's so so many hard things out there, personally, and like the book talked about, like systemic, and all of these layers. Um, but we can, I think, fight or feels like the wrong word. We can um, we can pu- push for the the peaceable kingdom right but we can like try to continue to do our part to to offer it in and so that's the offering of advent I think is that um amidst everything on the first advent which is also like our author says really familiar to our modern ears um but amidst everything Christ came came into the world um, continues to come into the world um ushering in, I think she says, that like peace initiatives, that first, that campaign, uh, the beginning of it. And so Advent is a call, but also our ongoing answer, right, to continue wanting and longing and searching. Um, and so I guess for, as we go into this last week, we have one more week of Advent before Christmas next Sunday, um, that my hope is that you can figure out how to like settle into the both ends, um, like sitting with the hard things, but pushing forward, looking for, you know, becoming hope, peace, joy, and love, and I wanted to end with this one part because, and I'm sure I've shared this with some of you, but but one time I got, I think I read this in a book, but it's a, it's like a parenting advice, when you're like really stuck, and you're like, I'm doing terrible, but it's sort of the advice of like, I don't know, you're reading this book, so you're probably doing okay, (laughs) like reading a whole book about parenting, so it's probably not as bad as you think, right, or like my own experience, when I, I, I used a midwife and for birth, and one of my births, I was like, I cannot do this. And she's like, ah, you're doing it. You are doing it, right? Like, it feels like you can't, but you are. And, and it's, um, I think, a verse Austin shares a lot. John talked about it last week, right? The verse in Matthew, where there was, uh, we played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. But I was thinking, you know, the things we shared earlier, but also my own life in the last month was literally at a wedding right I mean we weren't dancing we were like having a big meal but I was at a wedding and get a call and and the the way things shifted for me was quick but the way that so many of you came with me was quick too the texts and cookies and love and just so much Um, and so I think that's kind of where I wanted to end is that like it can feel uh exhausting to sort of feel like we're just searching after these things all the time but I think that we should also spend time recognizing um, that we do offer love and that we do offer hope, peace and joy. and those things are, are here, even amidst all the other things. So let me say a prayer for y'all, and um, we're going to move into a time of communion. Uh, God, I am so moved um, by the scripture in Matthew to read. Um, it's like it surprises me every time to read the words that say, um, he shall be called Emmanuel, which, which means God is with us. And sometimes that can feel not true. Um, and sometimes it can bring tears to our eyes, God. And I just pray that, um, that we're aware of your nearness this week um, in the grief and the joy in in the love um, and the peace and all of the all of the things. Um, amen.